0: Hi, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of uh, Humanity First. Uh, today, we have a regular on the show, Yulia Lego, is back with us. Hi, Yulia. Hey, Peter. It's good to have you with us. Um, I thought it would be uh, an appropriate time to talk a little bit about the future, and uh, that's where we're going to spend most of our time. So let's talk about it. Um, we, I think many people probably know that over the past six months nine months we've been talking about Mm rebranding for the agency and I thought it would be good to put a little perspective about what that means because I think one time that I was involved in this and I was on the operations side of the organisation, somebody said to me we're rebranding, and I said why would we want to do that? That seems like a, why you know we, everybody knows who we are, everybody knows what we do, so what's the point? And I think that's probably what a lot of people uh, say, but I think one the conversation I get. Like to get into is well it 's not just branding right it's the development of this organization uh, and a lot of people say BAMSI two which I think is a little overstated but the moving moving this organization to, into a future state mm-hmm. that matches uh, the state of of the direction that we 're going um, uh, in the in the profession and in the, in the disciplines mm-hmm. um, but it does start with rethinking about your your outward-facing um, look. Uh, so, um, talk a so, little bit about how that how that enjoins with the bigger picture.
1: So, branding brand is really about your identity. Um, and many people confuse branding with the the visual pieces of it, but it's the visual represents who you are and what your agency stands for. So we really started by looking at our values and what's important to us and how we can live into those as a company. Um, and through that process, then we look to bring the visual identity, so the logo, the colors, everything, in line with that. Um, so that's what most people see. You know, we're working on a new website, we're working on some new signage. The colors are bright and vibrant and warm. Um, we're really working to make BAMSI seem as welcoming as it is. The other side of that is bringing the operations kind of in line with that, those values. Um, So making it easier for people in the community to contact BAMSI, to understand what we do, so using less clinical language, speaking more plainly about the impact of our services, telling better stories, Um, you know, maybe centralizing intake so People coming, calling us don't have to figure out which program they're calling. They can just call a main number and get the help they need.
0: Wait, so the person that <clears throat> answers the phone has a good idea of what all the services are at the agency so that you don't have to say, oh, call this number, I'm going to give you another number. And often people feel like they get the runaround, I think, in, in behavioral health.
1: Absolutely. We know that um, if someone's asked to call another number, they're, I think, believe, 70% likely not to do that. So having a, a, a being able to be transferred as opposed to being hanging up and calling another program is very important in lowering barriers to
0: health. And it really fits um, with what the Executive Office of Health and Human Services are trying to do Mm -hmm. with – behavioral health anyway. there's uh, People may not know about this, but there's a procurement uh, from the state which really is transform- transforming the way in which people seek services. The idea is that there's a hub. There's a little bit of an echo of hub here in terms of what you're talking about.
1: Absolutely. Most of our services currently are referrals from state departments, um, but that doesn't mean families aren't on the website looking for assistance and they might not know what they need but they can call our intake number and the individual there can say well this is you know we have a pin program parent information resource network sorry um, that i think would be really beneficial to you Um, we can put you in touch with them you can talk to them it will require a referral from dmh but we can help you through that process
0: yeah, so um it's interesting really because our funders have names for things which aren't always intuitive, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Um and um and pin isn't a great example but parent information network. So when when we're talking about rebranding we're actually talking about words that are, are everyday words that people understand. Yes. So if my kid needs a service mm-hmm. there's a bucket that says Bamsey Bamsey Kids. Kids. Yes. Right?
1: Yep, you'd go to the website, Bamsey Kids, and it talks about the services we provide in a very broad way. Um, again, not using very clinical language, but saying we have, you know, youth care coordination and that you get a team and they help your whole family work through whatever issues are facing them, whatever challenges. That's all a family really needs to know. Um, once they get into the service, they might need to learn more. But from a high level, they just want to know where they can go for help.
0: Right. And also, they, don't, they might know, not know what they're looking for, right?
1: Right. They don't know if it's FIRST or CSA or what program.
0: Or, yeah. you know, I often think about um, in, in <clears throat> clinical terms, when there's a problem with a child, it manifests itself at school in terms yeah. of disruptive behavior or dysregulation of behavior. Um, you know, it might be that somebody in another setting notices that a child is behaving diff- differently. Uh, clinically, we always no- see that as a sign, that, that this is yeah. a messenger, that the kid is a messenger, that there's something not mm-hmm. quite right in the family. So that idea of somebody asking for help is people need to be able to help help in framing what that right. issue is. I mean, the number of times that I've sort of worked with families and, and, and the parent comes in and says, fix my child. Yeah. Um, yeah, you get to BAMSI Kids, but then you get the advice and the information right. that gets you what you really need.
1: Well, and I think we have a lot of community programs that are kind of referrals into the BAMSI hub of services. So having Helpline is a great example. Mm-hmm. Someone might call needing rental assistance, fuel assistance. They have come on hard times, but it's, it's an opportunity to say there is a substance use issue. There is depression. There is something else, and we can connect you to the right services within BAMSI to Meet those needs
0: right. and if we don 't sort provide those services mm-hmm. provide them elsewhere, and you know very much sounds like the uh, about the hub idea of the roadmap we talked about that mm-hmm. there is actually a physical manifestation yes. of this, so now we 're getting the physical manifestation and we 're getting the website we're getting we 're sort of driving people towards that place where that treatment happens. Mm-hmm. And we refer those people back to the community. It sounds like it sounds like those things are. are yeah, really I see it online. as a continuum
1: of services. Yeah, yeah. So you have the commu- the the urgent care kind of of the hub place where you can go in when you're having an episode or an emergency, get treated, and then kind of progress through the services that are provided as they're right for you. Right. And on the other end, you might have a small matter that's impacting your ability to work that we can then treat you all
0: the way through. Right. I love the idea because then you begin to think about it, like how best do you put yourself out there as a service delivery system? Bright colors, something that, that mm-hmm. catches the eye of people. Um, and then you can f- trace that all the way through to getting what you need, but also finding, else, finding what else you needed along the way. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the true definition of a very easy-to-navigate um, uh, system of care uh, which we need to do some work on, right?
1: Yes. Um, but I think it's really exciting. You know, our values were very person-centered. We care very much about individualized care. And so this allows us to really build on that, to look at the individual and look at them holistically. Yeah. How can we help you with everything?
0: Can we just rewind for a second talk about branding again? Because during that process of Branding, rebranding. I learned an awful lot about the science of it. Um, and you know, can you give us an example of something people would recognize in their day de- when they're going about their business of how a company has branded well that, that that people would go, ah yes, I know that.
1: There's lots of examples. Let me think for a second. Um, McDonald's, I think, is always a great example of branding, in that when you see the golden arches, you know exactly what you're getting. It's consistent. You think – you know the food. You can taste it. It gives you nostalgia for when you were a kid and went there. Um, But you also know the value proposition. Mm. And you know it's clean. Mm. And there's just certain values that are associated with that brand.
0: It was was kind of funny because it also says, you know, 56 billion served. That was necessarily – uh, an, in, an indicator of whether food was any good but, but you put quantity point,
1: over quality yeah.
0: <laughs> we feed your family more for less um but but i think it's a really good example mm-hmm. that everybody knows those arches everybody knows what they're going to get everybody knows what's on the menu and that's the product of what 70 years mm-hmm. um of work
1: and there. a massive budget for- that's
0: right that's right. Um, I also like the FedEx uh, example as well because, and that's more akin to ours Mm -hmm. a little bit. Do you think?
1: So you know, there's a concept of brand architecture and how your different programs and services, how you brand those, and how they roll up into your overarching brand. Um, Again, part of the science, and you know, we have terms for everything. So, Bamsi, the parent company, Bamsi, the agency, um, is well, the parent. It's it's at the top like FedEx. Everyone knows FedEx. You might not know that FedEx has five or six sub-brands. You know, there's Express, there's Freight, um, there's Home Office. Those brands are used by individuals who really what those services are just right for them. They, you know, someone who's using Home Office doesn't care about freight shipping and vice versa. Um, but they all go into the FedEx brand. You know, you trust it. You know if you absolutely need it there the next day. Um, it, all, it all rolls up. <laughs> and so with Bamsey, you know, Bamsi Home, Bamsey Health, Bamsey Kids, and Bamsey Community, are four sub-brands, whatever service you need, you can go there. You know, if you have a loved one in one of our group homes, Bamsey Home is all you really care about. But the Bamsey name and the Bamsey brand translates down.
0: I love that example, and of course, the, the FedEx is a great example because there's actually a white arrow in FedEx which is going forward, yes. and, and and you don't know it's there unless you look at it. It's a really clever uh, thought, but that sort of brand architecture really is the thing that I learned about. Mm-hmm. That you know that that if you have an agency that has 120 yeah. different programs, you know, then you know it's overwhelming. But if you break it down like that, it really you know, people know what they can we get. We
1: found in the marketing department it was really hard to talk about Bamsy simply because there is just so much going on. Um so using the sub brands we can talk about whatever's most important to that audience.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um well let's let's talk a little bit about we do a lot, but we want to do more. Yes. Uh, so let's talk about business development a little bit here. Um I guess I would start by saying that as a non-profit provider of services, we're a relatively big one in the state, not the biggest, but certainly not the smallest. We provide a lot of services, um, and we rely... Um, Largely on government money, and when I say that, I mean money that comes from the state contracts that we have, and then Medicaid pass-through money. Fifty percent mm-hmm. of the money that comes from the state is matched by the feds. Um, so you're never going to be, unless you're Ross Perot, I guess, you're never going to be really rich on Medicaid dollars. And uh, that's a blast from the past. But um, but but you have to think of your mm-hmm. agency as an agency that is interested in expanding its business lines to mm-hmm. uh, other funding sources that sort of supplement and keep us in the game uh, of providing um, those excellent services for people, vulnerable populations who are supported by government and funding and Medicaid. You know, you, you're, you've taken on this yep. business development. Can you give us an example of that inaction? action?
1: Yes. So I'll preface it by saying I've spent my whole career in the nonprofits, um, and I, I often say I have a nonprofit heart but a business head. Um, in that, you know, it's no money, no mission. So you have to look at how you can leverage your strengths to bring in additional revenue, so you can keep growing your mission and doing what's needed in the community. So our first initiative is the pharmacy. Um, you know, working with Barbara Gordon and Lucas and finance and everything to identify a location and start a pharmacy service that will give us more consistent quality um, while also generating a revenue stream.
0: And that revenue stream is important. I think when you think of those two things that we haven't always had the best service from uh, outside providers, Mm -hmm. we have a very consistent group of people who need medications to keep them alive. We can be in control of that And with that comes a business line, comes the development of an expertise in delivering that service. So how are we doing that? How are we going to suddenly be an expert in pharmacy?
1: Well, because pharmacy is so complicated, we've hired a consulting firm to help us build it out and get us through all the regulations. They're working on our application right now. Um, We have a location, and we're working on building that out, um, making sure it's secure, making sure it has all the right features, the hope is that we'll be ready to launch in august
0: not too far off
1: no um, but you know i the consulting firm is really great they this is all they do is they help um, nonprofits build pharmacies and because it is a great revenue generator it fits right in with our services um, we have a lot of the expertise on staff and they'll help us hire the right experts to run it
0: so, you know, one of the things I hear a lot is like, oh, well, that's moving away from our mission. That's moving away from a non nonprofit um, <clears throat> sort of philosophy. Uh, I don't subscribe to that. Um, but I do think, talk a little bit about how that sort of uh, fits right in with the philosophy of a future nonprofit in terms mm-hmm. of how you support um, some of those programs that are vital in our community, but they're so underfunded. Uh, and yet we can't walk away from.
1: Right. So... Nonprofits have a very complicated business model. Um, You know, as I say, in most businesses, you charge the person receiving the service, and that funds your providing of the service. So you're able to do a really basic cost analysis. In nonprofits, it's typically a third party that is funding at least some of the service. People might pay, you know, a piece of it, but there's underwriting to make it more affordable. So, we have to figure out how to up that revenue side so we can provide the service to the individuals, especially when, let's say, the state isn't able to cover all of our costs. So, a pharmacy, again, fits right in with what we're doing. We provide medication to the people in our residential homes. We, you know, with the behavioral roadmap, we're looking at providing medication to individuals who need emergency care. It, it's it's kind of a perfect fit. We, we we use pharmacies. Why not bring it in-house?
0: So what would you say if I came to you one day and said I've got a great idea for an, a business venture, we need to open up a sneaker store?
1: I would ask you how that relates to our mission.
0: <laughs> and I probably wouldn't have an answer for you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I would love people to bring me ideas because um, yeah. ideas can come from anywhere.
0: Right, right. Anything else on the horizon?
1: Um, well, I I... Thinking about um, a lab would be an excellent place um, for the lab work we're doing. I think that could be an excellent revenue generator. We've been talking about a transportation initiative, something to help. You know, currently the the dayhabs are struggling with getting people to their programs um, because the transportation providers don't aren't staffed. Um, so if we can take that on, we can then bill more for our dayhabs because we have more people coming, yeah. and we just provide a better service.
0: Right. And so these are just angles that we don't typically look at. Um, and I think sometimes we, we do fall foul of that. We say, you know, oh, well, transportation services, uh, they don't have any staff to bring people to the program, so we'll mm-hmm. continue to run at 50% capacity. Now, if you do that, you know you can't do that forever. Um, where um, I was on a meeting this morning where people were saying they've lost a million dollars on on Dayhab, and, and it's such an essential service. So how do you leverage your position right. Uh, in the community to help uh, exercise your uh, execute your mission. Mm-hmm. And I think those are the two things that, that perhaps don't come together so often in the nonprofit no. world. And
1: it's not as simple as saying, we need to get people to this program, we need to start a transportation program, because there's a lot of finance that goes into it. You have to make sure that you're going to make enough money to cover the cost of the <coughs> service or that you're getting that money from somewhere else.
0: Or that you're not taking on... Um, sort of regulations that are just going to bog you down yes. as an organization. And I think sometimes you wonder, you, you have to do that sort of preparation, don't mm-hmm. you? It sounds like a great idea, but just remember, we change our um, we change from this regulation to that regulation, and we need to cover that. Now, that, that might be something that we, we want to do, but you've got to weigh that out. You have, to know it,
1: yeah. you have to know it. in advance so you can make those decisions instead of getting halfway through the project and realizing this changes everything.
0: Yeah. but I think there are there are opportunities for us to think differently um, in the future. I think uh, when I think about our training um, that is um, our training that uh, that mm-hmm. we do, um, we do a really good job with that <clears throat> when I think about the work we 've done as an agency over uh, uh, diversity yes. equity and inclusion you know we're always thinking: Is somebody else going to be interested in that? Is that an opportunity for us? Oh,
1: absolutely! And Sonia and I have worked a bit on creating a plan to build out um, our training opportunities around DEI. Um, you know, you were part of the group that presented to New England Human Resource Association on our DEI initiatives. Um, we've been recognized for them, so we're we're able to speak from a place of authenticity, and I think that would be a very valuable. Um, asset.
0: And I think, you know, all of these things, you know, I asked you about the sneaker store before, and of course I was being a little bit facetious, but but I think you answered the question. It has to tie directly back to the people that we serve. And if we can make an argument that that revenue continues to support our facilities so Mm -hmm. that they're the nicest around um, and continues to make sure that we're paying our staff as much as we possibly yes. can in an underfunded yes. uh, age, then I think that line isn't dotted. I think that's a direct line, not with the sneakers, but with the pharmacy, for instance. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that's an important distinction to make. I mean, we're not going, we're not in this, we're not saying, you know, there's something bright and shiny oh, right. over there that that might make us money. We're saying, let's make sure that that's within mission.
1: Absolutely. and. Everything is driven by the strategic plan. So, you know, part of the strategic plan says we're going to diversify revenue, but it also says we're going to improve quality of life for the people we care. So those two really dovetail in how we make decisions about future business opportunities. Yeah,
0: And there is many of them out there. And I think as long as we continue to think about that, um, we've got a good shot with this whatever the future puts in our way. And we, we don't know, but we're preparing for it. So, Julia, thank you so much. Really enjoyed the last few minutes.
1: Thank you, Peter. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.